Hello, Sobertown, and welcome to the Sobertown podcast. This, my name is Polly, and we are doing a two-for-one, the other half of a two-for-one. We did part one last week, and with me on the train is one of my sober sisters. A good morning, King 13. Good morning, Polly. How are you doing, babe? <laughs> I'm all right, sweetheart. We've had a busy weekend. Um, we've had an emotional weekend. Haven't we? Uh, there's so, been a lot going on. Yes, there's been yes, a lot going on. Um, that's the way it goes in sobriety. Sometimes you get the quiet. Mm. It's like life, isn't it? Life goes in quiet, little quiet spells, and all of a sudden, kaboom, you get your ass blown up somehow. Or other. Yeah, it gives <laughs> a whole new meaning to the one, two, three. It's definitely coming <laughs> through this week. Yeah. Um, before we're going to talk again about vulnerability. Um, and as with the podcast that was done on moderation, we asked for other people's views, their views on vulnerability, and we will be playing those during this podcast. But before that, there was something I said in the last podcast I just want to address in case anybody got upset by it. Um, I said that if you're bored, get your ass off the couch. It's said from a place of love, actually. It's not meant to be uh, anything taken the wrong way. It, it comes from a place of love because King will tell you, I will tell you, anybody else on this journey will tell you, you have to work at sobriety. It will not walk through the door and smack you in the face. Am I right? Absolutely. And it's it's a lot of work. It really is, especially when you first start out and then, then it changes. The work changes in different ways, doesn't it, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yes, I do, because like growing up, you mature, hopefully. Some of us didn't, but. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing wrong, nothing wrong with having fun with it. <laughs> no, but your sobriety matures because you move into different phases of it and you start looking at different parts of it. And that is because we're communicating with people and we're hearing what other people are doing mm-hmm. and getting these little light bulb moments thinking, well, yeah, I didn't realize that. Mm. And it's back to vulnerability. These people are opening themselves up and they're telling how they're feeling. And other people are coming in with information for them and help. So that is one of the aspects of um, connections, being vulnerable, putting your hand up and asking for help. So with that said, if I tell you to get your ass off the couch... It's just like your mom telling you, get your bloody ass off the couch. Anyway, we will get on with the first recording, which these are all people within the sober community, which we are in. And each of these are at different stages of their sobriety. Um, and they're going to tell you their views on sobriety. The first one we will hear from, and this guy has told his story very emotional story Um, and most people will know him on I Am Sober and will have listened to his his life story with Drifter. This is Lee and his his views on vulnerability. For, For just over 15 months now and what vulnerability means to me I guess um, I've always been an open book and I guess being a man a lot of people would probably think 
that as a sign of weakness um, when it's really not. It's actually given me more strength than I ever knew to share um, my story, which I put in the podcast. <clears throat> um, it really helped me immensely and it let other people know more about me. And uh, I think that made them then allowed to be the empath that they wanted to be and it's really good for people with addiction to um, realize that other people have problems just as much as them so my vulnerability showed another side to me and uh, a lot of people maybe didn't realize that they've seen this outgoing funny Irishman who um, always posted up songs and tried to lift people's spirits but then they realized here that guy's been through so much and he's told his story and um, he continues to share I do think that whenever you're new to the app or um, you're starting off in your sobriety path that you just have to pick and choose when you share you don't have to um bear your soul um, to get somewhere and uh, in time you might have to give, forgive yourself lots of things that you've done in the past and mistakes that are made and you will have to realise that other people will be vulnerable too um, but the best thing for me is that one thing that I may have said that might not mean too much to me might have meant everything to somebody else and uh, that might have actually given them the chance to uh, have a bit of hope and um, push them on to the next step so being vulnerable for me is a sh is really a sign of strength and uh, it's okay to be vulnerable um, as long as you don't let people walk all over the top of you and take things from you you don't want to be pitied and you don't want to feel as if you're embarrassed or ashamed. Um, there's no judgment in this particular app that I'm on. And uh, that's what I loved about it. And so that's what vulnerability means to me. And if I have to keep on sharing, if that makes me vulnerable, and um, as long as it's used in the right way, then it's more power to me and more power to others. Um, I don't want to be vulnerable to alcohol because it has no place in my life anymore. And the only way I could be strengthened by my desire to not drink again was to work through a lot of things that I never thought I would experience. Um, I uh, have went through a lot in my life and um, I've, I've come up through the other side and that gives other people hope and a light to follow. I am a very, very happy, proud Irish man here. So I hope that helps. Yes, that was amazing because just uh, as he says, we're used to the showman. And to see that really cool, just human side of him. And it was funny because looking through messages this morning, he was in the car with his mum. And it was absolutely hilarious just to see how a son and a mother interact. And they were in the rain and they were in the car. And his mum was saying it was 
pushing down. <laughs> pushing. It was pushing. <laughs> I thought she was saying like passion, but she was talking about pushing, pushing down. Yeah, pushing and, down. And he's yeah. saying, yeah, mum, you know, and I thought they're a podcast in themselves just in the car. They were just so beautiful to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's that unconditional love and, and him being him, just him being him. And with his sharing, a lot of people do learn. We do learn from each other. And we learn that we're not alone in this journey because mm-hmm. quite often we do feel we are alone. And that shuts our vulnerability down more because we think, oh, what I'm going to say is just, you know, this is not normal or this, you know, I'm the only one that feels it. And it's simply not true. And that's where, like I was saying just before we played that piece, was um, the light bulb and the aha moments when we hear someone brave enough to share something and we think, well, yeah, I know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So that ha- someone sharing like this truly helps others when they feel. Uh, and like he said, he said there to be vulnerable is to be brave. It's to be courageous. It, and you talked about his conversation in the car with his mom. That's sheer joy. That is the joy of living so the sober life you know it's it's so joyful to to hear people having fun and laughing in the rain i mean it, the weather was horrible but they weren't upset by it they were laughing about it they were chatting about it they were sharing with other people so you know that is gorgeous and he he is the funny guy until he needs to not be the funny guy. Mm. Mm. So that is, that is, here's someone who is maturing in his sobriety. Exactly. Yeah. And the multi dimensional aspects of him now, um, I'm seeing so much more mm-hmm. than what I've, I met in the first sort of four or five months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me, I've got to be honest, it made me kind of a little jealous because it was so beautiful when he said, what do you reckon, Mum, about me being sober? And she was just smitten to bits. Yeah. She was so proud of him. And then he, he coerced her into t- saying to her, do you love the most out of the two sons? <laughs> that is a horrible. Yes. yes. I was Lee. thinking of you with your three boys. <laughs> Lilo, that is a no-no. You do not ask Mum for her favourites. Because her favourites are her grandchildren, not her children. I'll tell you that now for nothing. Because I can speak from experience. I love my boys individually because they are all individual. And I'm sure Lilo's mom is the same. Lilo, Lilo, Lee is what her friend Drifter calls him, the man with three names. And (laughs) that's that's what I call him now. And, you know, and he's open enough to laugh with his mom to allow his mom to say the things she she does to him and that is someone who is becoming extremely comfortable in his sobriety a little while ago when we were doing first started doing the moderation podcasts one of our good friends, Shiki, who is so funny, is another, <laughs> another funny guy. Yeah, he is. The one yeah, thing we wanted on this podcast, I mean, the last time we did this and we asked for people's um, views, etc., on moderation, all we got were the women 
so this time mm. I put a request out, can we hear from some guys so that we can get the male point of view as well as the female? Because, you know, there are men and women on this planet. <laughs> two, as we know, there are two sides <laughs> to everything. Yeah. So, um, and the, the yin and the yang, you know. The, the Venus of and Mars syndrome. Yes. Yeah. So this, Shiki, bless his heart, uh, this is his, this is what he sent to us in, I will share this one with you also. Just finished listening to yours and Deb's um, podcast on vulnerability. And I know you want to get a man's perspective on the subject, because obviously, as you know, men don't talk about this kind of thing. I talk about their problems, which is pretty much true. Um, I think men will eventually talk about things, but it takes them a lot longer um, to come around to talking about it and asking for help. Uh, which I think might maybe why there is a lot more women um, on IAS app. I think they maybe deal with it easier than men. Men are a lot slower in coming forward. They try and deal with themselves. I know that was the case for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sign of weakness um, for a man of certain age, really, of a certain generation. I mean, when we were younger, if he was playing football or rugby, he's always sort of told not to show them you're hurt. If you get hurt in a game or in training, if you break your ankle, you've still got to get up and run. Don't show them you're hurt. It's a sign of weakness, I think, for my generation. That's how we was brought up and probably most certainly the older generation. And I can speak for myself there anyway. That's how I was brought up. Um, it is, you know, it is sort of it's seen as a sign of weakness to ask for help. I knew I had a problem probably around about, I suppose, eight years ago. Um, but I wanted to, to deal with it myself. Uh, I didn't want to get any help. I could deal with this myself. I can, you know, whatever was going on, I could, you know, keep it within myself and, and deal with it. I suppose it wasn't really, I'll say about the last three years, I then started playing with the idea of going to AA, a and um, But I still didn't want to go. I still couldn't bring myself to go to a and I didn't want to reach out because there's still something about it. Uh, nothing to do with a and more from my point of view, really. It's still something I didn't feel comfortable doing in sitting around, bearing my soul to other people, to strangers, telling people my problems. It wasn't a bit of me. It just wasn't something I, I could step up and do. Um, I was eventually going to make that call to a and uh, when I pretty much found my boss. When I realised I was... When I realised I couldn't go on no longer and I needed some help, um, I was going to join a meeting. But then... Uh, luckily for me, I found the IAS app, which is where we all met. Um, and that, for me, was my way uh, of asking for help or sort of, I suppose, getting things out. Uh, it's, a, it's a way where you could tell people your feelings without... Or you could still be anom anonymous. You didn't have to, you know, put your photo on there. No one knows who you are. There's no address, there's no phone number. If you don't like what you're doing, you can delete the app and no one's ever going to know. So it was a safe environment um, for a man, and well, for me anyway, um, to sort of start connecting with people. Um, and as soon as I made that first connection on there, it was just such a massive, such a massive weight taken off your shoulders, a massive relief. It really was. And it was like a, you know, a good feeling to start with. It was just... The support you got straight away was was a, a big help. But then before you know it, you're also supporting others. Um, 
And even now, I mean, I, I still won't talk about my drinking um, or the addiction rather to, to anybody else in my life, um, apart from people on the app. Uh, I don't even talk to my wife about it, to be honest with you, um, very little. If anybody asks me as well um, why I've given up, I'm still quite vague. If they ask me why, I'm just like, you know, I've, I've had enough of it. I've, I was fed up with hangovers. I just had to knock it on the head. I'm just vague and I move on. I don't really sort of give anybody any kind of in-depth. Um, and even now, if I'm having a bad day or a bad couple of days like we all do, if someone was to ask me, oh, hello, Steve, have you, uh, how's the drinking going? You're still not drinking? Even then I'll go, yeah, mate, yeah, smashing it. Yeah, doing really well, thanks. Yeah, blinding, thanks a lot. Yeah, all good. Um, but then I go home that night and go on the app, I go, bloody hell, I'm having a tough day here, mate. And, I, you know, sort of you speak to people on the app, that's my my sort of release there. I still won't, I still won't speak to anybody um, about it, um, to any, any serious level in my life. Um, I don't really need to, to be fair. Um, now that I've got the app and I've, got, and I've found that community, I don't need to. Um, that's my release. I do the Zoom meetings with Chef 56, the legend, um, organises. Um, I go to there probably once a fortnight, sometimes every week. Um, so that's, that's my way of dealing with the problems without actually having to expose myself in the real world um so that's that's that side of it and then now the other part of vulnerability once we've dealt with uh, actually getting our problem out there is um dealing with the vulnerability of the actual addiction itself um it is a fight uh, as we all know and i don't think this is really much different in in men or women because regardless of what sex you are this is it's still a fight um it doesn't matter how much help you've got or how much help you're getting or, or you know your toolbox etc you still need to fight you can't do this without getting your big boy pants on and and taking the fight to it that, that's you've got to get up off your ass um and pull your socks up and, and, and have a fight um you know no amount of meetings is gonna you know help you there you've got to have something in you as well to to, to make it happen um i remember when i first started on the app say about you know, four weeks in i found some bloke on there called drifter um you might have heard of him <laughs> Uh, he was make, putting posts on <laughs> the arena um, and the battle and the warrior and the armour and your shield and all the rest of it. And I thought, That's bloody hell, he's a bit OTT, this geezer. Um, but as time went on, I got it. I, I get exactly what he's saying. I still see, I saw one of his posts today. It was a good refresher, really, of, um, of the old post I used to see from him. And it is, I get it, I get it now, because it is a battle. Um, don't get everyone says it is a battle, and we all know that. Um, you know, and as the months have gone by, I'm what I'm on seven months now. Um, and I mean, if you'd asked me, you know, seven months ago, when I looked onto a, a, a milestone for seven, eight, nine months, I looked at those people and thought, wow, you know, they've cranked it, they don't need to do any more work now, they've they're home and dry, they've you know, they're, they're done. Um, then roll on seven months, I think you know, it's not done, it is still. Um, about we still, you know, we have still got that vulnerability inside of us, even though we've got our armour on, um, we've got our shield up, we've got our guard up, and we're fighting, and we're all still fighting. Um, even after seven months, uh, I just know though, if that guard goes down, and you start picking away um, at the layers of armour and picking away against uh, away the layers of skin, um, it's still under there. There's still that demon there, and I know that um, he's there. And unless you keep on top of it, it'll come back and he'll, he'll take you out. I know that's, that's there. So 
we've got to put the arm on. Uh, the vulnerability is just, it's his skin deep, it's underneath there. It is all the time, so we've got to keep fighting. Um, and that really, from what you've asked, is, is my sort of version, or for me personally, on, uh, on, on the subject. I hope that helps, Polly. I'll see you soon. Love you loads. I chuckled through. <laughs> I love his attitude. I love his outlook. Mm. And he's right. You know, you're brought up, especially with boys, it's hard for them because they're taught to, big boys don't cry, you know, man up, all that kind of stuff. So when they do get, to a point where they do need help, it's hard to ask for it, like he said. And I loved his comments about Drifter, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that geezer. Who's this geezer? <laughs> um, and you've got two different views on it. They're basically the same thing, though. Learning to ask for help and look how long. And it's still hard for him. Uh, he needs, when you first come into this, it's hard to put yourself out there and be seen. A lot of people don't like to be seen, which is where the app is helpful, really, because we're all virtual, but we're not visual. It's just us and our feelings and a place for us to get them out and a place for us to go and read other people's stories and feelings without exposing ourselves too much. And it's only the further you get into this journey, you realize if you're going to crack this, as he says, which we never, ever do, because there's something to learn all the time, you really do have to expose yourself. Not necessarily, I'm not saying stand out the front of the house and shout, I'm an alcoholic, I have alcohol dependency, I well, can't. Well, why, why take your clothes off? <laughs> yeah, stand naked. Um, you open yourself up like we've done um, in reading, connecting, sharing, and learning from others. And I'm I'm, what, 14 months into this, and I still have a huge amount to learn. I'll probably be putting the nail on the, they'll probably put, put the last nail in the coffin and I'll be going, can you hang on a minute? I haven't finished reading any chapter or I've got another YouTube video to watch or a podcast <laughs> to do. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry, we'll put the, we'll put the books in with you. Don't worry. <laughs> you can finish them on the way to heaven. Mm-hmm. But how, what did you think of what he said? Look, I thought he was brilliant and I just resonated with so much that he said, um, you know, you do open yourself up and you open your mind up too to everybody around you. And he's so right about one thing. And the, the one thing I take away from all the vulnerability is that the vulnerability for addiction will never go away. That is one thing that I have learned. And I tell myself that every day. So he's right. I, that, that geezer guy. Yeah. <laughs> I have got my shield now. I have got my sword. That's my branding. It goes with me everywhere. I'm happy to share the shield and the sword with everybody. And it is difficult to go into these meetings physically and face all these strangers and tip your heart out. It's something I, I couldn't do. There was mm-hmm. no way. And, you know, sometimes people may think that I don't share enough. But to be honest with you, and I, I actually mentioned it today, at this very moment in time, my life is calm. 
I'm at the same. I've followed Shiki. So all the way, we're exactly, I'm just a little bit behind him. I've just turned seven months too. And I've looked up to so many people who are before me and I've got those behind me that I try and encourage as well. You know, but on my seven-month post, I photo and that, no one has any idea how much courage that took for me because I thought about it and I thought about it and I, it was a bit like even getting on the app. You know, we all had the nervous belly and should I, shouldn't I? And then I thought, what well, you know, you can't go back and say shoulda, woulda, coulda. So I just did it. And, you know, the feedback's been really lovely. It really has. Um, God forbid there are days when I still want to take it down because to me sticking a photo of yourself up there was like, are you, are you serious? What would you do mm-hmm. that for? You know, like. You but you're exposing yourself. yourself. Yeah, you're exposing yourself even more. And to put a photo out like that, it, it makes you very vulnerable because you don't know how people are going to react. The fact that people have had such positive reactions to it is is a little bit of a reaffirmation for you saying, okay, I'm looking good. The the results are starting to show. I mean, we know they start showing inside in the way that we start addressing things. Um, And like you, when life gets a little bit calm, I really do not want to rock the boat. (laughs) I want to float along quite nicely. (laughs) And adding to that, what people don't realize for me personally is I have had my lot of loss. It just hasn't come right now. I've been there. The -hmm. last 10 to 15 years for me, have not been easy at all. But everybody gets their lot in life. And I just hope, pray to God, that I'm. there's still going to be stuff, of course. But the really hard stuff, I think, is I've gone through it. And we're older mm-hmm. than a lot yes. of the people on the app. So there aren't people around anymore that other people have. And that's why I was a tad jealous of, you know, Lilo with his mum. And I thought the one thing, if I had one wish, I wish my parents could see me today. I wish I had your mum. Oh, mm-hmm. my dad. Because there was nothing more than they wanted than was for me to stop drinking. I was shocked that I wasn't much younger than Lilo's Lilo's mom. (laughs) (laughs) She's young though; you can tell by the way. Yeah, she's she's got she's got a lovely. My mom was like that. Yeah, Yeah. she's lovely. Yeah, anyway, young at heart. We're young at heart. It's a number, Um, Polly. Look at you. God's truth. Yes, I wish. Um, Tomorrow, one of my babies will be forty-nine. So yeah, there's one for you. Here we get to um, one of our ladies and her view on vulnerability. And we know, bless her heart, she is, she's had a struggle the last few days, etc. Um, in that uh, the, the voice is, is in her head. So... Laura is sharing her views on vulnerability and she's been in a pretty vulnerable place because she's had a lot going on and she's starting a new job and she's got a young family. So, you know, a lot of the everyday stresses can make you tired. And when you're tired, you, here we go, you're vulnerable to that adding voice when you're tired. That's, that's one side of vulnerability is that when you get extremely tired, you're a bit stressed, you are vulnerable to that voice creeping in. And it comes in in many, as, as Shiki said, it'll come in in many disguises. You know, oh, well, you're tired, you need, you know, this will take mm-hmm. the edge off that tiredness. I'll make you no, feel it, better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's I'll take the, your worries away. 
yeah, mm -hmm. you can just see this little nasty creature. But here is uh, this one is going to be Laura sharing her views on vulnerability. And bearing in mind, these are all these people's own personal views, and they're very bravely sharing. So here's Laura. Hi, guys. It's Laura83 from the I Am Sober app. Um, I want to start with a Brené Brown quote. Um, the definition of vulnerability is uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. But vulnerability is not weakness. It is our most accurate measure of courage. Um, I think we live our lives with vulnerability, running alongside to some extent all of the time. Uh, but right now, for me, in fact, right from the beginning of my sobriety, I'm in the most, well, in my most challenging vulnerable state. There was and continues to be uncertainty from a marriage breakdown. Uh, it's led to huge financial pressure and uncertainty for me as I take on the house alone. There is uncertainty in my ex-partner's behaviour, which has been awful. My children's mental health and safety has been a concern. I'm trying to find time to study as I put myself through college and university, which is a bloody minefield to navigate to get the right qualification. I have a couple of other things going on that I've opened up emotional exposure to. And honestly, I've never had to be so courageous in all my life. But lately it's taken its toll. Um, and I feel that it's led, to me, led me to the beginnings of a relapse. And I say the beginning because there are often stages to a relapse. I spoke about them on a post recently. The first one being an emotional relapse, which involves poor self-care. Um, I've barely had the time for this with working two jobs and managing my children. I've felt isolated because I haven't had the time to see friends in any meaningful way. I've also missed um, Zooms with my sobriety friends. Um, the second relapse is the mental one, the cognitive dissonance inside my mind that's going on that's been telling me to drink, to escape from everything that's been happening. Uh, it's been louder and my resistance has gone down before I could shut it down and tell that voice to piss off. But for the last few weeks, whilst I've been exhausted, it took energy and resolve I didn't have to bring those fighting words to the forefront. And instead, I've been running with them, thinking one time, one drink, just relax, no one has to know, it won't even count. Uh, I got as far as actually buying some this week, which I haven't done in seven months, which was a bit of a frightener for me. Um, thankfully, I got in the way of myself. Um, I'm often described as strong and assertive, but I can still be vulnerable. Uh, I'm vulnerable and the only way to tackle this is to talk about it. Voicing your fears often takes the power of them away, doesn't it? But it also means you could connect on a deeper level with those around you and learn different perspectives on what is going on. There's a Buddhist quote that says, we don't respond to what happens, we respond to our perception of what happened. So talking about it and doing some compassionate inquiry into what's going on is key to my emotional change here. And I need to find out what I need and to ask for it. Um, the self-care part is huge though, so I know what I need to do there. But there's so much more, so much more to it. Um, vulnerability in society is essential because it means others can help you and you can start to help yourself. You have to acknowledge the weaknesses um, it doesn't mean that you're weak, but there will be weaknesses. If you don't, you'll set yourself up for a relapse. The main reason I drank, especially in the last two years or so, um, was so that I felt less vulnerable to negative painful emotions I had going on. 
Um, but like Brene Brown says, and yes, I am obsessed with this woman. And if you don't know who she is, then shame on you. Um, she says, when you name, uh, sorry, when you numb the darkness, you also numb the light. And you will only feel happiness, true happiness, to the extent that you allow yourself to be vulnerable. Wow. Mm. Yeah. She uh, articulated a lot of that very well. And she, she's fully aware of what is going on, bless her. And she is examining it big time. Mm-hmm. She's addressing it. It's back to what we said. And Shiki said, you've got to put your big boy pants on. I said, you've got to get your ass off the couch. You have to work at this. It's she not easy. You can hear from her and she's coming up. She's in the same time frame as you and Shiki, seven months. Yep. Yep. And she is working her ass off at her sobriety. Yep, she, she's trying to find that way, even though she, you know, she's really well armed already. Mm-hmm, but doesn't yeah. it go to show you that again, something else will rear its head? But I love yeah. what she said about the steps of vulnerability. And she mm-hmm. recognizes that the first one, like you said, is emotional. Yes. When we get, you know, life cracks away at us and we get tired and we're taking too much on. And you can feel yourself that you're not as strong as you normally are when your tank's full. You know, you can yep. hear it even in her voice. And I, I love the fact that she's recognising it and trying to do everything she can to find a way to deal with it. That this is, is it. working it. Yeah, she's working it. I mean, there's an expression in um, AA and everybody says it, you work it because you're worth it. Mm-hmm. And we are worth it. We are worth a better life. We are worth a peaceful mind because, you know, her mind is working constantly so that she can get to um, a place of peace in her sobriety. And bless her heart, she loves the one of the people I love who talks about vulnerability, which is Brene Brown. Yeah. yeah Anyone great. who doesn't know who this lady is, like she said, shame on you, because she is amazing in what she talks about. Um, and I have so many of I've got her books and um, she talks about belonging. She talks about being brave, etc. And she talks about vulnerability and they're all interconnected. Because to be vulnerable is to be brave, is to become stronger, is to belong. Because you end up belonging to a community that understands you. Because we in the sober community understand each other when someone's talking as Laura was talking. Because we can can all reference that. We've all had days where we've been extremely tired. Um, How did we start drinking in the first place? Because... You know, like she said, she was trying to shut down negative thoughts and feelings. Yeah, there's the common path, isn't it? Yeah. You reach out and you think, wow, I'm not the only one that did it that way or did it for that reason. And that's, that's where you feel a sense of belonging as well because you belong to this community that understands you. Um, I just, she is a deep thinker. Always. Um, mm. Anyone who hasn't seen her on the pod, on the uh, Zooms go because she has a lot to offer. 
She and, really does. Yeah, and absolutely. I, uh, yeah, and um, I truly hope she gets her her degree because she she's going to make an absolutely wonderful, yeah. wonderful, wonderful understanding. I'm not sure if it's psychology, psychiatry, counselling, whatever yeah. it is. That's she and she's also got her own experiences to draw on for that. This will give her so much information. But we're going to go back to one of the guys. Uh, anybody on uh, IAS, I'm sure, knows who Dad Life is. One of the most beautiful uh, guys. Um, I, I, I had the opportunity to do a follow-up podcast with him. And he is he's another one who is he works at his sobriety and he has done from day one. Every one of these people that you're listening to, folks, have worked at their sobriety. They have not sat there and let it come up to them. They, these are people that want a better life. And we're going to hear from dad life. Um, and he is quite a way into his sobriety now. So we'll hear from dad life and hear his views on vulnerability. When it comes to the idea of vulnerability, I think it's one of the hardest things that we have to understand in sobriety. Maybe just in life in general. When I went to my first series of uh, AA meetings after I decided I couldn't drink anymore, I would just wait until they called on me and then I would click out of the Zoom meeting because I, I just couldn't let myself talk and admit that I was an alcoholic and that I had a problem and that I actually fit into a group that had alcohol as a problem. I was very scared of letting myself be vulnerable to a group of people I didn't know. When finally I did, I went ahead and opened up. I told my whole story. I told from beginning to end, I told them everything. And I cried. I was very emotional for a while. But I was glad that I got it out. I was glad that I let myself be vulnerable because as soon as I got finished, somebody said to me, you're in the right place. And the good news is you never have to feel this way again. And that's what I got for that vulnerability by letting myself be open and letting myself run the risk of letting people see me at my weakest moment. Then I began to build myself back up. Vulnerability has been such an important thing to me when in, in all facets of life. So thank you for letting me record this, Polly, and I'm sorry that I'm so late getting it into you. Love that guy. Love him. I, I do too. He, he's got a beautiful way of putting things that are clear. And like he said, once he opened up and they allowed, he allowed himself to be seen like that, and once you do open up, you start your recovery. You <laughs> in a way, it almost like you said, it strengthened him. Yeah, everything was out of him, and he started to build the foundation again of strength. 
You know, if that wasn't sitting within him and stopping him building on that, he got rid of it and started a clean slate. And I just think that's just a beautiful share, just beautiful. I would love people on day zero, day one, day two, to, to, uh, I would love to shove this podcast at them. Mm, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> this is what people need to hear, that the mm-hmm. moment you let it go, the moment you let yourself be naked in front of people, and I'm not talking about taking all your clothes off, peeps. I'm talking mm-hmm. about emotions and being naked. You can build from it. Once you've gone down that far that you have to get naked and show people your vulnerability, you can't go any lower. All you can do is start building. You start coming back, you know, and each time you read someone's post about something and you relate to it, you think, yes, I know what that is. And you start working on your own part of it. Um, And I learned something huge at the weekend and it was compassion and thinking to myself, do you know, that could really have been me. But for all I know, I'm not saying it would be at the moment the way I feel right this very minute, but if I fell, I would hope that someone would reach out and be compassionate to me. And that was something I learned. I thought I was compassionate, but I truly learned about it this last few days. So there was a huge learning curve for me. Like I say, you think you know something and then something happens and you think, wow, yeah. Okay, I'm learning from that. We have another lady. Um, I don't think we can, what dad life says is just, that's, that's just a true explanation of it. And it's short, it's sweet, it's concise, and it just covers it. But we have another lady, and she has just celebrated just over a year. And we all know uh, Sheffy. And she very kindly shared her views on vulnerability with us. So here is Sheffy's view on it. And then we'll have one more after this one. So we'll do this one first. So here's Sheffy's views on vulnerability. Brene Brown closes her Unlocking Us podcast with rapid fire questions for her guest. One question, vulnerability is, usually inspires the guest to expand their answer past just a few words. For me, vulnerability is a form of self-advocacy. It is both taking up space and holding space for others. Vulnerability is saying something stupid and then immediately apologizing. It is asking thoughtful, open-ended questions and truly listening. It could be saying something in the face of a discriminatory comment where you might otherwise be silent. It is staying in your power and not lowering your standards. It need not be grandiose or extravagant. In fact, simple forms I give freely, but big vulnerability for me must be earned. The world deserves simple joy, does not need to hear my deepest, darkest secret. In 
I'm sorry, in sobriety, vulnerability has been double-sided. Sometimes it's no problem. Other times I clam up. But I'm okay with that. I learn and I move on. This is a process. We are practicing it every day. Always try and do what is right was penned by my great-grandfather in 1938 to a letter in a letter to his daughter. It has now become my mantra. Do your best, keep trying, forgive your past selves. Be vulnerable when you can, and you will be rewarded. Another variation, and it just gets to show how we all look at things differently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, she is working on hers every day, and she's right. We all, every time we address an emotion, we are working on our vulnerability because we're addressing our emotions. And emotions are one of the things that make you most vulnerable. The biggest emotion that makes you vulnerable, I think, is love. Um, mm. It's where the biggest hurts can come from, isn't it? And it's uh, having the courage to tell someone you love them. Is that not the most ultimate invulnerability? You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, too, because a lot of people use the word when they feel like they're falling in love, they'll use the word scared. So if you think about mm -hmm. it, people are scared of vulnerability, the fear. That's exactly yeah. what it is all about. And again, when you let go of that fear or you tell somebody you love them and it's not rejected, you know, there's pure joy at the end of it. Mm -hmm. No one likes to feel rejected, do they? Of course not, no. And that, you know, uh, that's, that's where compassion comes in as well, you know. Um, and no one needs whatever they're... The feelings are so close to the surface during sobriety, especially the early days of sobriety, because things that have been numb for so long are suddenly coming back to life. And uh, feelings you've, like Laura was saying, numbing the negative feelings, all of a sudden you've got to start dealing with those and it's hard. And you are so exposed when you're, you're, you're dealing with those. And I lost my train of thought then. Um, but I think too, and you'll get that back, you'll get your train of thought back. Yeah. You're overwhelmed with everything. Yes. Not just that they're getting, you know, for most of us, we just want to stay sober no matter what it takes. And and learning stuff, we have no idea what we're, what we're supposed to learn. Nobody's really guiding us. All we know is we just want to stop drinking. And that's that's really, 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 really scary. And I, I, I've said to you time and time again, I wish I had something like this podcast for guidance. Yeah. So I could just think, wow, they've done it. This is really good stuff. And take, you know, their advice and move on. And that's why I... I threw myself into reading so many IAS comments and timelines to say to see how people had got there because to me it was not even conceivable that I could get to 30 days never alone where I am now I mean you look know, at people at I would when you go in and you pledge every morning and you look at milestones and it gives you this list of milestones and when you will hit them on a certain date mm. and I'm thinking oh my god how 
this is 2021. How am I going to get to 2021? This was back in 2020. Mm -hmm. How am I going to get to summer 2021 to make that milestone? Here we are. You do it. And like you say, at first, it's just a matter of um, focusing on getting through the first three months. I know that seems like an endless amount of time, but it's not. It does go past and you get up in the morning and it feels like a shitty day. But when you go to bed that night, the shitty day ends and you can end it without Mm. a drink because there's another day tomorrow that you can play and do what you want and work at it. It, Nothing is impossible. You need to cross out the I and M. Nothing is impossible if you truly want it. And we wanted, well, I did. I wanted to not feel the way I was feeling, which was like a court walking corpse, actually. Even Drifter said even Drifter said he was like a zombie. Oh absolutely. I was existing, not living. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. But the thing is too, and and when I say when you and I don't mean ease into your sobriety like you sit back on the couch and do nothing. But when you get to the point and it happened for me probably around the four month mark of okay, I've got over that 90 days, like you said, that's so important. And even that through that time I was reading and throwing Mm -hmm. myself into journals and everything, you do get to a point where your days become, they start to become a little bit more normal. You know, like now I can say it's seven months, I've got my my routine down pat and I don't think about alcohol, and which is a great thing. And I don't know that you can go and change your life that much that you need to, you know, you just eliminate Mm -hmm. the alcohol from it. And it is so possible. And now it just comes a quiet comfortness of, okay, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be okay. And those days all of a sudden just build. I write the days on a whiteboard out in my, you know, lounge room every day and they just build. You know, like all of a sudden I'm here seven months. It seems surreal. It was my first 100 days. Once I hit that 100, I thought, Crikey, and that was days. a huge deal. Eh? Hundred uh, yeah, is I, huge. Yeah, because yeah, you can. Yeah, it's huge. When you think about okay. it, a hundred is just over the three months. And yep. Elaine, who does a, a podcast with this Mrs. Sarah, Elaine said her first three months, all she did was wear blinkers and focus on getting through the first three months. She threw everything at her sobriety, mm-hmm. and that's what you've got to do. You, like we say, and like. Chicky says, pull your big boy pants up, get your ass off the couch. And if you were told you were allergic to peanuts, you'd start building your life where you couldn't eat peanuts and it would become normal everyday life. Mm-hmm. If someone <clears throat> says to you, you're allergic to alcohol and you can't have it anymore, you would build your life around no alcohol. So that's the attitude. You just build your life around the fact that, okay, there's no alcohol in it. Yeah, no, and I could, uh, no, sorry, like I was saying, go on, you, say um, it <laughs> many times. No, that I be, you know, I became my own best friend because I didn't mm-hmm. like who I was yeah. when I started out, and so I almost separated myself and said, okay, you know, coach your best friend through this. Just coach your best friend through this, and that's really what I did. And then all of a sudden, I started to like what I was becoming, and I saw the difference, and I still do. If I see a part of me I don't like, I think, all right, I'm going to coach that best friend. I go to best friend mode and say, okay, how would you treat her? You know, it's what funny. What would you tell her? Funny. 
Yeah, well, what would mother do? Yeah, it's yeah, true. WWMD. I've actually, I've actually had to ask mum. I should have asked Lilo's mum. What would mother do? Uh, quite a few times in the last few days, because there are some people around me that are dis disharmonising, and I'm thinking, oh my lord, how am I going to deal with this? You know, and yes, we and again, full moon. we've had a full moon. Things that I never ever thought would come up have suddenly reared their heads, and. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, we've got one more to listen to. And this one is from the man himself, the one who fights in the arena. The geezer is back. The, the geezer. Oh. The geezer himself. So we are going to mm. listen to the geezer. And we all know who the geezer is. It is Mr. Drifter, and here he is, and his views on vulnerability. Good morning, Polly. Good morning, King 13. Vulnerability. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. I thought vulnerability was weakness growing up. It was something that was taught to me, and it was something that was built into me. As, when you're young, a young, as you see across the pond, a young lad, um, we're told you don't cry, you don't show emotions, and you push through. That's what men do. So, then on top of that, I was abused physically and emotionally as a child. That didn't help a lot. That built walls and barriers. Then when I got into, as I was growing up, I was in juvenile detentions, jails and prisons. And believe me, in those environments, you, the last thing you wanna do is let somebody think that you're vulnerable. So through my whole life, I built these walls and considered vulnerability a weakness. So here I am and I'm getting sober over this last year and I'm in the IAS I am sober community and I kept hearing people talking about this book the power of vulnerability and look I really bashed that book in my mind I mean it was like who the hell would read a book about vulnerability who would read about being weak what a crock of crap so, um, once I got sober, got, got off the alcohol and I didn't, I wasn't fighting the alcohol anymore and started learning more about myself, um, my behaviors, my emotions, my feelings, uh, stuff that just, I was uncomfortable with. I decided to order the power of vulnerability by Brene Brown. And man, that gal changed my thinking about vulnerability. She, she turned everything upside down. What I considered a weakness, well, the definition of uh, vulnerability off the top of my head is just basically the possibility, it's the state of mind with the possibility of being attacked or harmed physically or emotionally. So all you have to do is have a state of mind with the possibility that that's gonna happen 
that you're, you could be attacked. And so that's why you, you, you build these walls and you're not vulnerable. But Brene Brown turns all that around and she explains that there's power in being vulnerable and it's a good way to fight shame and guilt and a lot of other different things. So I've been trying to apply it in my life more, uh, including with my wife and those close to me. But I will say this. I think that you have to choose who you're going to be vulnerable with. And I just would not advise anybody without thinking their thoughts through what they want to be vulnerable about, especially in this big wide world where um, we communicate so easily around the world. I just don't think that we need to throw everything out there on a silver platter because regardless, just like in prison where there were predators, there's predators uh, around us that we don't even know about. And we have to guard ourselves too. And we just can't throw everything out there on a silver platter like a fresh piece of meat. And, but there is power in learning how to be vulnerable in the right circumstances and how to own your story in the right circumstances so I think with that um, I think that's about it I think that's about it and Holly and King have a great day and I will talk to you guys later well 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 I was just smiling through that you know and he how right is he you know pick the time pick the place do not be out there vulnerable to everybody mm-hmm. isn't it interesting yeah. how you learn your boundaries yeah mm. uh, he has grown so much. Oh, like wow! Yeah, yeah. And he—he's another one, Brene Brown. Um, yep. Yep. TED Talks podcast. She does. Um, she does a a beautiful one with her two sisters. And there is a book called that she brought out, The Gift of Imperfections. And she does a six part podcast with her three with her two sisters, where they do each chapter chapter on it, but. Here's another one who changed his total mindset, a guy, because that's what we needed to hear from the men, Uh, some of the men, sorry. Um, His thoughts, the way he was brought up, vulnerability meant you were weak. You know, you had to be strong. You had to be tough. So he's had to learn to change. And all of these men have just totally changed the way they look at life Mm. through. and, And that's literally through getting sober working their sobriety, looking into different aspects of it and getting their asses off the couch sort of thing. You know what's interesting too? You've got three different men there from three different countries with the same belief and they're all different age groups. Yeah. I mean, Shiki and Lila, I believe, are closer, Mm -hmm. but Drift is my age group. And I think Lilo said that that Drift is 158 or something like that. So, <laughs> okay, well. Or 98, sorry. <laughs> he said Drifter was 98. So, but no, Drifter. Um, and then I think Drifter and I think Dan, uh, Dad's life, sorry, is um, he's probably just round about um, between Lilo and you. I'm being well, kind. I'm exactly the to... same as Drifter. So yeah, I know. Yeah. Dad, Dad's yeah. life is sort of in between that. 
And um, but it's just yes. really interesting that they both started off with the same thing, the same stigma. And yeah. so it's a big, big one to change, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a man, yeah. For these guys to make themselves so vulnerable yeah. like this is huge. Yeah. Oh, I just, I think it's brilliant. We need more men lo- to start realising. Yeah. I think we need more men to start realising it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. To say, I'm having a shit day. Yeah. I feel like crap. Well, give me a, give me a tissue. I'm going to have a good cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm PMSing. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we all know that us women use that. A lot. We and, call it pre-men stress. Yeah. <laughs> pre-mental stress. Yeah. I'm having a pre-mental stress day. Um, I don't. <laughs> well, I do call it menopause too. Yeah. Men. Why is it? Yeah, but why isn't it called women pause? Why is it called men? Because they're not left out. Oh, right. <laughs> they, they get it too, baby. Trust me. We include them in it, don't we? Yeah. All the way. Yeah. It's all fair. Love them all. Yeah. yeah. That's it. If I've got to suffer, you've got to suffer for, for crying out loud. You know, if I'm having a bad day, you're having one too. Uh, you know, misery loves misery. So come and keep me company. <laughs> and that's what I love about men for all their toughness and all oh, their yeah. bravado. They say, Bloody hell, I'd never have a kid. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually... glad I never had to have babies. Yes. <laughs> you know, mind, give them a headache. so much stronger. It's hilarious. So, yeah, you know, give them a give them, Yeah. Mike, we oh. always say our, our expression in our house is, oh, men are titty babies. Yeah. Give them a headache and they think they're dying. <laughs> You know, give them the flu and they give them a cold and they've got the flu and pneumonia, haven't they? They take to their bed. Oh, my God. They like old Victorian women. They take to their bed, don't they? They're having an, oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, guys. We just, we laugh. We laugh at you, but we absolutely love you. We love, and I love these guys here that have just shared this with us because this is just huge. It's just beautiful to hear. Brene Brown says the truth is that falling hurts. The dare is to keep being brave and feel your way back up. These guys have been brave. They fell, they opened themselves up, and they bravely, well, they bravely opened themselves up and they stood back up. I am going to read something here uh, that I read this morning. I read it last night and I read it again this morning. And if we've got people if we've got people in the first couple of weeks, first couple of first 90 days, the first 90 days of getting sober, listening to this, I want to tell you this. This is uh, from a small book. I'm not going to give you the title of it. If you want it, you can email me for it because um, it's called Awakening, right? Most of us enter into recovery with one goal in, goal in mind to stop the suffering that got us here in the first place. That's what got us into that mess, suffering. Whether that was drinking, drugs, stealing, eating, gambling, sex, codependency, technology, or other process addictions. You're reading this, well, this is a book as obviously, you're reading this right now because you had enough wisdom to start seeking the end of the suffering of your addiction. You've already taken the first step on the path to your own awakening. Everyone who has made the wise intention to recover, wherever they are on their path, 
has accessed that pure wise part of themselves that the wreckage of addiction can never touch. We all know, I'll read the next bit. There is something deep inside that helps you pull yourself out of that hole, isn't there? There's got to be something left inside that helps you pull yourself out. And it says, so many of us have hearts that are tender and worn raw from the suffering we've experienced. Many of us have collected layers of trauma, which often led us to seek temporary relief in our addictive behavior. But then through our addiction, we added more layers of demoralization and shame that hardened around our hearts. On top of those layers are the ones we built for our own protection, vulnerability. All the ways we've run from pain, all the ways we've pushed people away in fear of being vulnerable, all the ways we've shut parts of ourselves off in order to adapt to what often feels like a hostile world. We started to recover when we let ourselves believe in the part of us that's still there beneath all those layers we've collected and built the pure, radiant, courageous heart where we find our potential for awakening. So that, that tells me you've got to, there's, there's that little kernel of something inside, a little nugget of something inside that really wants you to survive. I suppose it is a survival instinct because the longer you stay drinking, the more you're likely, well, you're killing yourself basically. And as human beings, the survival instinct at some point will kick in. And then you start opening yourself up to sobriety, which is allowing yourself to be vulnerable, like we said. I don't know how you feel about that. What's your thoughts and feelings? That's where the old adage saying that, uh, you know, digging deep comes in Mm -hmm. with survival. You've got to dig deep, deeper than you ever have before. And nothing is impossible, like you said, you know, and God love Todd, you know, you know, I just adore the work that he does mm-hmm. for Sober yeah. Town and, and everything else. And he came and posted a saying in a group that I am in with him yesterday, and I just love this. It says, sobriety delivers what alcohol promises. Peace. And I just thought, wow, in every way, shape or form, the joy, all the things that alcohol promised us, taking the pain away, everything, sobriety will deliver that if you just stop drinking. And that's what I say yeah. to those people in mm-hmm. the 90-day period and everybody else. If you just stick at it and have the tenacity and really, really dig deep, you will find the things that you thought you found in alcohol. Yeah, you'll open yourself up to the joy of life because when you give up alcohol, you start living. And uh, we laugh more than I mean how many people who are deep into their alcohol can honestly say they have fun when did they last laugh wholeheartedly you know and it's like even Shifty said about perception vulnerability or whatever you look at people and they look like they're having fun Mm -hmm. but I've had friends even say to me you know I said oh you look like you're having a ball and they'll say oh it wasn't really that much fun I was just sort of going with the flow you know Mm -hmm. and it might last for a minute or whatever but no, you're absolutely right. It's um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world we're living in. But as I mm-hmm. said, life for me now, and I posted it too. Life is high definition. Mm-hmm. It's not grey anymore, and I love that too. I've got all these little these sort of cliches and mantras that I just go with all the time now and tell myself. And I still, 
from day one, the one mantra that I told myself over and over and over, and I still do it to this day, is alcohol is irrelevant to me. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I've got one. Mine is always that, um, and it's it's something um, even before I stopped drinking, everything has a conclusion. Everything. If you're having a bad day, when you go to bed, the day concludes. Mm-hmm. If everything will, you know, the kids are driving you nuts. They'll go to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll conclude. Everything will have a conclusion. It may take a little while to get there. But eventually it will go full circle, closure. The circle will close and then you'll move on. Yep. Nothing, yep. nothing is, well, here we go. Nothing is permanent. No, it isn't. And that's where what would mother say, mother would say, and another door opens. That's it. You have to close the one before the next one opens. Yep. And when you yep. open this door, the one we opened, I opened mine. I did open it prior to, but I had one day where I fell off the wagon, but I jumped back on it again quickly because I knew I didn't want to go down that road again. So I opened my door again on the 3rd of June, 2020. And my door stays open because the view through the door is absolutely beautiful. The world through that door is gorgeous. Um, It's colorful, like you say, it's high definition. You laugh, you make friends. People say, well, it's hard to make sober friends. I don't know about you, but I have made more friends in this last 12 months than I'd made in years prior. Absolutely. True friends, good friends, friends that know, friends that check up on me, that look for me, that look out for me. These are caring people and it's gorgeous. And I will say, go on. And I was just going to say, because I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. It it is a deeper level of friendship. And I think because of what we all share. But I want to ask you, when you did have that little slip, and the reason you said you jumped back on so, so quickly, I think I know the answer to it, but what made you jump on so, so, so quickly? Jump back on because it? I'd had two weeks of feeling absolutely great and I did not want to go back to where I was. Um, and no, no, just not and happening. Full stop. I was no. gonna, yeah, my feeling was scared it scared me. the crap out of you. It scared so me. Quickly, <laughs> you were like a rocket straight back on the wagon. And yeah. um, I didn't drink a lot that night, but I had enough that I thought, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, shit. You, you know, yeah. no, we're not doing this again. You know, you've had two weeks without any alcohol. You're feeling good. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. So the next day, straight back in, reset. Because, and that was where I learned honesty, was the day I reset. Because if I couldn't be honest with myself and reset, then there was no way this was ever going to work. Because at the end of the day, you have to be totally honest with yourself and you have to be able to look at your own face in the mirror and know that you're doing the right thing. And it's interesting because I look at you now and I hear that conviction in your voice. <laughs> I would love to have known Polly in the first two weeks because I think as soon as you had that slip, you came back mm. with a vengeance like oh this is it. And you have not wavered from one single day that I have known you. 
I don't we're want alcohol. We're at it all the time. In fact, we check it in. What have you learned? What have you learned? What yeah, can we learn? This we're is like it. two obsessed rabbits that are just down the roll. My rabbit hole. My habit. Yeah, I've got so many. It's like I you said. My rabbit rolls. Rabbit rolls. Rabbit I go down the rabbit holes on my computer and I have all these tabs open at the top. <laughs> my brain's the same. You know, yeah, I've got like 10 tabs open at any given time and like six it. books, we, we just you know. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit, rabbit, rabbit oh, my God. Oh, know, the old, the old song, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Folks, <laughs> this is going to get published and we really hope anyone listening to it to, to hit and to it even please let the people at day we will let the people at day zero day one day whatever listen to this podcast because we think it is a huge learning curve for people it's a huge learning lesson all these people that have shared their views the moderation podcast this one um on vulnerability all their podcasts actually the fear of ever drinking again and i've um well, the fear of never drinking again. And I have a huge fear of ever drinking again. I just do not want it in my mouth. Um, if you put it in my mouth and I'm an alcoholic again, I know where I'll go and I'm not going there. Um, go to SoberTownPodcast.com. Go to Spotify. Go to any of the apps or platforms that you listen to podcasts on and look for SoberTown. Just type in SoberTown, you will find us. And even on um, the web, just type in Sobertown, you'll find us. And if you know someone who wants to, who is coming along the behind you that you're friends with, that you've connected with, point them in the direction of these podcasts because we're not professionals. As King will tell you, we are just ordinary, everyday people working at air sobriety and trying to pass on what we are learning from people ahead of us to the people coming behind us in the hopes that they get something from it. So uh, SoberTownPodcast.com. And we thank Dad Life, Sheffy, Shiki, Lilo, Laura, and our good friend Drifter for sharing their thoughts with us today. Um, it was beautiful. And while you can just listen to King and I, I think it's good to hear how other people respond to different things. So we thank you very much for listening. And from me, Polly, it is a goodbye for now. Um, and from my good friend, King 13, who I have thoroughly enjoyed doing these with, she's very kindly kept Karina's seat warm while uh, Karina's been canamming. And Karina and I will be back. But then Karina will need someone else in my seat for a little while to keep it warm because I will be absent. <laughs> so from myself, Polly, and from my really good sober sister, King. King 13. Yep. No sippy, no slippy. And don't you dare laugh. Come on. No, I'm good. I'm just going to say once again, <laughs> remember everybody, sobriety delivers what alcohol promises. That's Stick your, with it. It will work. That's your new mantra. That's your new mantra. And we've, we've got WWMD, which is what would mother do. And now we've got sobriety delivers what alcohol always promised. And from myself, Polly, and from King, no sippy, no slippy, not another drop, no matter what. 
And Drifter always says, pour the poison down the sink. So we will see you aboard this wonderful, delightful, sober train next time. Thank you all for listening. Bye. See ya.